Hey everyone, this is my interview with Colin Jessen, guitar player of The Lovers. This is also my first attempt at recording a phone conversation with my new equipment, and uh, I think it worked out pretty well. There is a bit of hum you hear in the background, but that's mainly because I used a very shitty uh, cable to connect the phone to the recorder, so I'm going to upgrade that. But in terms of the way he comes through, and the levels, and the volume, and everything, uh, this is much, much better than my MacGyvered way of recording phone calls previously, which was really bad. It worked kind of, but this is infinitely better. So Colin was willing to be the guinea pig, and yeah, we talked about his band's upcoming new record, the way their sounds has changed over the years. I mean, they described themselves on their social media as a Winnipeg rockabilly cowpunk band, and those elements are still very much there in their sound, but they've changed things a little bit, they've shifted, and uh, it's a really fun conversation uh, with someone who hasn't been on the show before, and I was happy to have him, uh, hopefully at some point in the future. I could get the whole band on for an in-person sit-down, but uh, for now, I think this worked out quite well. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Park Theatre, Winnipeg's premier concert and event venue. If you want to find out all the great shows they have coming up, go to myparktheatre.com. You're listening to Garbage Hill, Winnipeg's first podcast network. Okay, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I am uh, recording in my house. Uh, this is another phone conversation, which we haven't done in a while. Uh, I've been kind of experimenting with how to do these properly, and I think this is uh, going to sound a little better than some of the past ones, but we'll see. <laughs> and uh, I'm on the phone with uh, Colin from The Lovers, which is a local band that uh, hasn't been on the show before. So it's kind of uh, an interesting experiment here, doing the phone conversation with someone who's new to the show as well. You'd think I would have tried this with someone who's been on a million times, but uh, here we go. we got a podcast happening right now. So, uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for talking to me. Thank you, Sam. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, for uh, sure. I have absolutely no fear of strangers, so uh, <laughs> this, this should be nice. Yeah, so um, I think that, like, maybe just to, to sort of frame this, um, I have a vague idea of who you guys are. I've definitely heard the name a lot, and uh, whether that's from, from, you know, event posters or, you know, social media events and things like that, and uh, I have a general idea of what you do. I've heard a few songs, um, but I think maybe the best way to sort of start this off is if you want to just you know, as concisely as you can, describe what your sound is and where you guys are coming from musically. Okay. Um, we're sort of in the process of evolving. We've, uh, I guess we're sort of a rootsy rock band. We started out doing quite a bit of rockabilly and a little bit of psychobilly. Okay. And uh, had a few lineup changes over the first three or four years. And uh, just when the music scene was, like the live scene was starting to die, um, like a few years ago, our game plan was to just play every gig we could possibly play just to be able to be out there and have our name around town and that kind of thing. So right. we were playing the zoo constantly uh, before she went. And, you know, we would play with, um, you know, hipster bands playing banjo. We would play with punk bands. We would play with, you know, seven different metal bands. We didn't, you know... Uh, yeah. our, our whole philosophy was 
let's just get a chance to play in front of people and try to steal as many of their fans as possible. <laughs> And no. hopefully they like it. Yeah. So when you say when the when the, the live music scene was starting to die, are you referring to kind of the time when venues like the zoo sort of went under and and that sort of thing? Yeah, unfortunately. Because I mean, I, I I definitely I played shows there and stuff, and I like that venue and the Albert and places like that. But uh, I think you'll probably have a lot of people who would disagree with you that the, the live music scene ever died, right? I mean, it seems like every time there's a a classic venue like the zoo that closes down, you get ten other ones opening up in in, in strange places that, that sort of fill the void. So have you found it harder to to get shows since kind of that maybe heyday of of rock in Winnipeg? Um, not not hard to get. Um, yeah, I definitely don't mean to offend any of the venues that are around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, we yeah. love them all. Um, it's just the in the uh, just in the last fifteen years, we've seen venues go from you know six nights a week to two nights a week. Yeah, and you know, there used to be hundreds and hundreds of venues. So there's definitely the people who go out to shows are the hardcore people who love music. Absolutely. So you don't you don't have people going to gigs who don't care about you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Sure. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so when we see people walk in the door, I mean, we know most of them, and uh, we love them, and they love us. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. How long? Um, how long has the group been together? I mean, you mentioned in the last three or four years things have changed a bit, but what's the sort of the timeline of how long it's the lovers about, have been around? Just about five years. Okay, okay. And with the current lineup, about two years. Okay, so it's, it's fairly recent, I guess, the, the current sound you have. Um, I definitely had heard of you as a rockabilly band, and mm-hmm. uh, I can see you know, from your old stuff that that, that, that makes sense as a, as a description. But how, how, did you, how did you get into that locally? Because, I mean, Winnipeg has not really ever had a huge rockabilly scene. Bands like the Farrell Brothers, of course, you know, have been kind of mm-hmm. holding holding it down with that sound for, for decades. But it, it's always kind of been, uh, whenever you hear bands playing rockabilly in the city, it's always been maybe a punk band that has a couple of rockabilly songs or things like that. And there's not like a big, deep, that I know of anyway, scene of local rockabilly artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I sort of got into it a roundabout way. The um, Like, I've always liked all kinds of, rootsy rock sure. kind of stuff and I used to make my living doing nothing but playing guitar and if you do that in Manitoba you better play some country sure yeah, so, yeah. Um, definitely I had played most of the Elvis repertoire and the Buddy Holly and you know et cetera et cetera et cetera mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I started going with my girlfriend at the time down to uh, Las Vegas to the Viva Las Vegas festival okay which is a convention every Easter weekend, which is amazing. And uh, there's hundreds and hundreds of bands, thousands of people that are dressed up and look terrific. And uh, it's just a good time. And um, I just happened to have come back from uh, that about five years ago. And uh, actually, I bumped into an ad, I think it was, and it's uh, Robert Sneap, who's now he's with the uh, oh back alley sinners. I think they're called. Okay, yeah, I yeah. Better, I better get that one right. <laughs> um, so he's an upright bass player, and uh, he was trying to put a rockabilly band together or a psychobilly band or sure. a little bit of everything. So uh, we hooked up, and he uh, he found a singer and a drummer, and and we were off and running kind of thing. So. 
originally we started out, we were uh, Handsome Derek and the Lousy Lovers. Okay. And then uh, Handsome Derek moved to Texas, so <laughs> then we were just the Lousy Lovers for a while. Right, I think I remember uh, seeing that name around, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had uh, Kaylee, K-Rock Hawkman, who's just an amazing singer, high energy, ball of energy. Cool. And uh, bouncing all over the stage and a great voice. And uh, so we did that for a year or so. And then um, I guess she has a family and it just got a bit much to be doing that all the time. Yeah. Um, so then we have the lineup we have now. Uh, so our new singer, or newish as of two and a half years ago or so, is the uh, uh, B man, Paul Basoli, who's a pretty well known harmonica blues player around town cool and uh so we still do a lot of the rockabilly stuff and then we do some stuff that's kind of like 70s rock some stuff that's all over the map especially okay. our next cd is the, the cd we're just putting the wraps on is um yeah out of out of control Cool, cool. Well, you mentioned a few minutes ago, like the, the kind of uh, the, the shift to, to more rootsy rock versus the rockabilly thing. What was the catalyst to kind of move the sound in that direction? Uh, just the sort of natural, um, natural voice of the people in the band. Okay. Like um, just how they sing and how they play and what they know and what they, their natural personality comes out in the music kind sure. of thing. But we're still there's sort of a uh, uh, a unwritten rule, or a, used to be a written rule, that you know, if you had a sound as a band, you better stick to that sound. Yeah. And uh, we violate that terribly. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, because there's no, you know, we're not on a, a big label or anything. We're just we are totally independent. Yeah. We could do whatever we want. We don't have an A and R guy telling us that we're not allowed to do this. So the the CD we have coming up. We have literally a straight up uh, bluegrass song on there. Oh, right on! And yeah, we have uh, a thing that sounds like sort of Parisian cafe music. Okay. And we have stuff that sounds like Deep Purple. Oh, really? And yeah, it's a pretty big range. Yeah, yeah. And then we have stuff that sounds like uh, you know uh, Carl Perkins. Sure, sure. So. so does the, um, the the sort of uh, you know you mentioned bluegrass just now, uh, Winnipeg obviously there's a couple things that, that that work really well and one of them is, is is roots music in general. I mean whether it's country, whether it's bluegrass, whether it's blues, all of those genres kind of have a big built-in audience locally. Have you found that like, do you think that this kind of stuff is going to sort of improve your, um, maybe widen your ability to to attract an audience than maybe rockabilly alone would have? Um. Possibly, like for uh, we, we certainly hope that we'll pick up people. For every person that we lose who comes in and goes, "What's this? I wanted to hear only something like this." Yeah, yeah. You know uh, that we for every person who doesn't like it, there's somebody else who might. You sure. Know? And we've we've really never done a show where um, the it what we were doing didn't go over. Okay. Like I've done that in the past where. Uh, like even in a cover band where you know you're in a, a classic rock cover band and the agency books you in a place as a metal band or as a country band or something yeah. like that and you just don't go over yeah for sure yeah yeah <laughs> so I mean we'd be comfortable playing to you know a, 
a country jamboree or we'd be playing comfortable playing to a field full of bikers or <laughs> sure, yeah, a reg- yeah. reggae festival yeah yeah, Bring yeah. It on. We'll, yeah we'll play it we like we like music and people who like music tend to like us so The night this brown eyed beauty standing to my right. She looked at me, I looked at her, and I knew I'd make her my girl. Screaming loud to the whole wide world that I fell in love with a Hellcat girl. Hey, hey! Sometimes she said I could if I had a dime well, She blows like a kitten when we're on the phone And she growls like a tiger when we're all alone I got scratches on my back and two black eyes That's how I know she's satisfied Hey, hey Hey, hey Get out of our way She gives me her loving every single day When I'm with her, my thoughts turn to crime Her kisses are sweeter than cherry wine She got me feeling like Mr. Clyde But she's no Bonnie, she's my little Miss Hyde Um, different different versions of your set that would maybe suit, say, uh, you know, a country festival versus a rock show, or, or do you just kind of uh, adjust the the volume basically uh, on the existing songs? Uh, a little of both. We have enough tunes in our set that uh, we could sort of do two sets. Okay. And then, but we never do like everything one way or everything the other way. Sure. Um, because even our our lighter stuff is fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it's high energy. So it's not like we don't do like weepy country tunes, you know. Yeah. And uh, so even if we were playing on a stage with a bunch of thrash bands, um, the the fact that we play everything at 260 beats a minute uh, tends to get us through the show. Yeah, no, I can see that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's like sort of the punk rock punk rock aesthetic that that comes with rockabilly anyway. Is is the speed of it, right? I mean, a lot of people who like bands like the Farrell Brothers maybe never would have even thought to listen to country, but because it's presented in this style and at this speed and with this uh, level of regression, almost it works, right? It goes over. So, yeah, I think so. You know, to me, rock rock and roll means like 
you know, three chords and not giving a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no matter, it doesn't really matter if you have a Les Paul or if you have a Telly or if you have a, you know, bright white pointed Jackson playing V. <laughs> For sure, you yeah, know? yeah. So, yeah, we it's not so much pandering. We just, we sit down to write songs and we go, hey, this kind of sounds like this. And it sort of, it, the songs go where they go. Sure. And we follow them. Is there a? I mean, what's your what's your background? I guess within the local music scene. Um, the reason I ask is because you know, in the course of doing this podcast, I've interviewed bands of all different ages, all different backgrounds, and I'm always interested to sort of find out where people are coming from, like what bands that they came up listening to, or what bands influenced them. So, are there, you know, were there local artists that when you first started getting into music or first started playing music that really inspired you to do this, whether they sound like what you do now or not? Um. I would definitely say so. Um, I don't. I don't want to mention them because it's going to make me sound old. <laughs> There's a. Uh, um, hmm. When I started going regularly to see live bands was back when the uh, pyramid was still called the Spectrum. Okay. And uh, the the bartenders at the Spectrum were the members of the Crash Test Dummies. Oh yeah, right on yeah. And uh, they played there like once a month kind of thing and Honest John was playing yep. and uh, you know all the uh, uh, every big band from Canada was through there sure yeah know, yeah uh, you know from 5440 and stuff like that and, yeah uh, and the one thing I really liked about and you know it's still today the same with the pyramid is they're they don't go, we're a metal bar, you know, or we're a punk bar, or we're this. They'll, yeah. they'll bring in a reggae band from Montreal, and then they'll bring in, you know, a, a Irish band from Halifax, sure. and then they'll bring in, you know, a piano band from, uh, or, you know, whatever, from Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, between that and uh, having had to play thousands of different cover songs, uh, when I was like on the road as a cover musician, mm-hmm. just not sticking yourself into a small box is sort of my my, my influence is no inf- not not being pigeonholed. Okay. Well, I think there's a probably a bit of overlap between the two of us in the music scene because I started going to all ages shows in about '95, and so you know yeah. I definitely have. Uh, a lot of memories of the 90s Winnipeg scene. I was just, you know, I was a young teenager just starting to come up in it. But um, mm-hmm. how, how do you get, I guess, now in 2019 from starting to go to shows back then to now and still playing in a band? <laughs> because there's a lot of people I know from my own generation and even younger who, you know, at some point they've decided, like, you know, I'm not even doing this anymore. And you're still actively playing in a, you know, playing original music in this band now, all these years later, from when you started going to the music, going to shows locally. So what's, I guess, kept you going, kept you motivated to, to stay involved? Um, I absolutely love music. Yeah. And I love, uh, like, the people who come to shows are just great. They, Like I said, you don't have people, you know, uh, like, go to a show who don't like the band anymore. Sure. So it's it's not like... Um, you know, you'll see on TV or in a movie where like some band is playing and people are booing. It's like if they don't like the band, they don't go see the band. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, there's that. And uh, the other thing is, um, 
in the past, I was playing only to make a living, and I was quite mercenary about it. So yeah. I, I would play what I, anything somebody wanted me to. And now it's the opposite end of the spectrum. Like I have, you know, uh, I don't need the money out of the music income anymore. Sure. And I only play. Like there's no way I would play something if I didn't like it. That's so, kind of where you I want mean, to be, right? I mean, that's the ideal, yeah. the ideal spot to be in, where you can you can do that without having to worry about, you know, uh, yeah, I guess this is paying my rent or paying for my lunch or whatever, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's the the absolute pleasure of writing our own songs, and I mean, we do one or two covers of that, and yeah. that's about it. And um, and we only do those because we like those tunes and like doing them the way we do them. Um, and we just love being able to play our stuff. So. Yeah. We were riding on the range through the tumbleweeds and sage. We hadn't seen a town for 30 days. The weather soon turned cold. The kind that penetrates your soul. The sun had disappeared behind a haze. By the fire, telling stories like a liar. We finished off the coffee and baked beans. And even though the night stood still, I just couldn't shake the chill. The wind was coming through my dusty jeans. And he said,
So when you you have one one album out now, and then you're working on the follow up. Is that right? Yeah, we're just putting the finishing touches on uh, about seven or eight of the songs are finished completely uh, for the upcoming one, and I've got three or four more to okay. finish. And uh, so we're just uh, finished tracking, and we're just mixing and mastering pretty much now. Okay. And then uh, we've been on somewhat hiatus for the last little while. We'll just take a, one little gig here or there because we actually are trying to uh, line up a bunch of video shoots. And uh, um, it's unbelievable amount of organization just to get together for six hours with a bunch of people to shoot a video. Sure. That, um, that if we... If we were rehearsing, you know, once or twice a week to do a gig every week or every two weeks or so, we wouldn't have time to actually get any of that done. So hopefully by the end of summer, we have a completed second CD and several videos to release in sort of a staged time. Cool. Kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. And did you feel like, I mean, first of all, I guess, when was the previous uh, album released? When did that come out? How long ago? A year, just over a year. Okay, okay. So it's a yeah. fairly quick turnaround, I guess, for you guys to come up with the follow-up. Yeah, we record everything at, at my home studio. Okay, and, well, that uh, helps, yeah. So, yeah, the, um, the drum tracking we all do in one day. And okay. uh, then it's just a matter of sitting there and experimenting with... Uh, um, we have sort of an unofficial fifth member of the band, uh, Sean, who's uh, the guitar player from Diverline. Okay. And he drops on by, and the two of us geek out with pedals and amps and different guitars and go, hey, why don't you try this guitar on that? And yeah. And he's played half the guitar on this TV. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. And uh, just because we're joking around and, you know, I'll be sitting at the computer, so he'll play guitar, and then he'll sit at the computer, and I'll play guitar. Cool. Um, so a lot of the songs have gone through, you know, like since we tracked the drums, a whole bunch of different versions of it kind of thing until we sort of found something that we thought was magic and, uh, and go from there. Cool. Do you think that the recordings that you have now for this upcoming record, do you think that they are kind of accurate representations of, of where the band sound is now? Uh, like, are they songs that you would oh, yeah. still be playing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, all the stuff on the second CD is in regular rotation in our sets. Cool. And we recently discovered that our uh, drummer, Brendan, has been holding out on us, and he's a fantastic singer. Oh, cool. So um, we stuck a mic in front of him, and all of a sudden, one thing about this next CD is it is very uh, full of harmonies. Okay. Lots, lots and lots of harmonies all over the place. And, uh, yeah. So being able to do the pull those off live has been uh, quite fun too. And was he the same drummer you had previously, or or is this a new addition? Yeah, he's been in the band for about two and a half years as well. Okay. Um, just he he was sitting there quietly with his sticks, and nobody bothered to ask him <laughs> if he could sing. And uh, but he's excellent. So That's I was cool. actually recording it. I was recording his other band. Uh, Diverline. He plays in Diverline as well, which okay. is a heavy rock band. And um, they tracked all their drums, and then they came in to do vocals. And he came in and started singing, and it was awesome. That's cool. Was like, how come you didn't tell me you could do this? So, 
Well, it's a good uh, secret weapon to find out about, I guess. Uh, just to, to happen to have that in, the, in your pocket without knowing it, right? Yeah, it didn't change the songs of the of this CD, but it changed the sound because yeah. um, now we have three singers instead of two. And, uh, yeah, he's a very very strong singer. So cool, cool. So, what is the uh, kind of plan once the once the album's out? I mean, I know you mentioned you're doing the videos and everything, and you, like you said, you're still working on, on the recording here. But uh, I mean, are you planning on touring at all behind this, or what's the, sort of the next step once that comes out? I don't think we're not going to do any major touring. Yeah, um, we've all got pretty substantial commitments with family and uh, such things. Sure, yeah, and, of course, um, yeah. yeah, and pretty heavy day job. So we might do a type of thing where we hit, you know, uh, Regina, Saskatoon, Calgary, Edmonton, and come back. Yeah, yeah, just a, good, a few days kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, we we could pull off stuff like that, but. Um, we're just not in a position to just hop in a van and cross the border into the states illegally and yeah, yeah. for a year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and I think a Which lot of would, a lot of bands once they get to a certain point too, like that's not feasible, right? I mean, you basically have to be in your early twenties to make that happen. And once you get past that, you got families, you got jobs, you got everything else getting in the way. For sure, I get that completely. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll do something like a um, you know a sex tape or try to assassinate a politician <laughs> or something like that to get some hype. Yeah. And, uh, some viral action happening. Yeah. Well, how, how uh, I, I guess, uh, like, you know, I know it's a joke, obviously, but, but the, the way that bands have to market themselves now is very different than, than it would have been, you know, likely when you started playing music. So how, mm-hmm. how have you found that whole aspect of it? Because I think that there's a lot of people who, you know, some, a lot of people excel at that, but a lot of bands are quite co- comfortable doing the creative side. But then when it comes to the whole, you know, dystopian future thing where you got to market yourself and promote yourself and all of that it's it's kind of more difficult have you have you found that part uh easy enough to do or is it a struggle um well it's it's i don't think it's um hard to do at all the only thing is in the old days you'd have one in a thousand bands be signed to a label yeah and they would have record industry lowlifes do everything for them absolutely yeah uh, and charge them back, and the, the band would never make a penny off their album, no matter how many. Right. Sold. Yeah. 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 And um, but the whole the whole scam was convincing the band to just sit around and um, relax, and the the record label would charge them for everything. Yeah. So since then, the cost of recording has you know it used to cost a million dollars yeah it's dropped considerably even, yeah yeah even remotely decent studio together yeah you know and your average average major label album would be like a hundred thousand dollars to record for sure you know which you know those days are gone you know elton john might have a budget for that <laughs> like yeah. if he goes into the studio, just because he wants to because, because he can he yeah. yeah 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 and um but the quality of equipment that's available to uh, people nowadays is just amazing. It is, yeah. And I, I don't mean about auto tune and uh, <laughs> you know sample replacement for drums and stuff like that. Like, I'm not crapping on bands who do that. There's like a, people can use that artistically as part yeah, of their sound. Sure, yeah, It's amazing. But um, even if you're just recording, like we are live drums and real bass, and mm-hmm. you know, I. Uh, plug into actual guitar amps and mic them up really loud and uh, um, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, the ability to do that 
has become affordable to any, you know, anybody with a laptop could make an, a, a CD now. For sure, absolutely, yeah. And pretty much most of them do, <laughs> so we have a lot of competition. Right, yeah. You know?
there, I mean, there's the the, yeah. ne- the negative side is that n- now because everyone do it, it's great that everyone can, but now you're one of a million bands trying to fill the same space. So uh, I guess you know, h- how do you make yourself stand out? How do you draw attention to what you're doing in this mess of of everyone and their dog making records in their basement now? Uh, exactly. Well, um, our thing is we just try to write the best songs we can. Sure. That's sort of our angle, if you will. Um, the um, we're all in the same boat together. So, I mean, even if some band has, I mean, other than the Miley Cyruses or the people <laughs> who are on like Disney records, like, yeah, yeah. who are, have so much behind them that they're going to be a hit no matter what they do. Yeah. Um, all the rest of us in the world are in the same boat, which is even if we had number one song in the world tomorrow, our follow-up song wouldn't be because the turnover is so quick now. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, you know, even if you... If you're on top today, you still better be on Twitter and Instagram and everything else hyping it out, you know, because otherwise tomorrow it's all over. Yeah, for sure, yeah. uh, Having said that, basically we don't do too much other than a tiny bit on Instagram, and we have a Facebook page, which we try to keep amusing stuff on. Yeah. And uh, we try to make our videos fun and our live shows fun, and, uh, you know, we're not, um, we're not, all serious but we're not like uh, clowns you know like we're not like there used to be bands like Moxie Fruvis yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if you remember them where I do yeah, yeah. Were, you know and um, it was goofy they were very yeah. talented but just not very you know just a little too um, yeah it was tongue in cheek but you know? like very winky and yeah 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 Yeah. so we're more dark and sarcastic and our songs are you know mostly about domestic violence and strangling people and <laughs> you know that kind of stuff <laughs> so, um we we don't appeal to the same type of uh, yeah no doubt yeah, yeah. people who would like us would like dark comedy and um and raw rock and roll you know? yeah yeah, for sure. Does does that? I mean, does having you know that 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 bit of dark comedy though? You know, I know you're saying you're not like a goofy band that it's just all a joke. But does having that element? Do you think that helps uh, kind of win you over with with some audiences? I certainly hope so. I mean, there's definitely some people who don't. You know, that doesn't appeal to. Sure. You know, and I can certainly appreciate that. We have no need to fight with them. Um, it's basically i'm not pandering with stuff like we just we make what if we wanted to go see a band what would it sound like sure and that's what we do you know and um rather than like contrive something that we think is going to appeal to the most demographic yeah yeah so you know i like seeing bands who you know turn it up and play with some energy and and sing songs about you know car crashes or whatever yeah yeah and um, I mean, for us, we're very song centric. So the song, you, you can hear the lyrics, and um, you know, vocals are important to us. Yeah, stuff like that. Do you think that uh, the audience, you know, like you said, you don't want to be contrived, and you want to be just sort of playing the type of music that that feels like what you should be playing? Do you think the audience can sense kind of an authenticity in that? That they can they can tell you're not trying to put on something, or you're not trying to kind of be someone you're not. I certainly hope so. I, I think the people who like us get that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, or the people who strongly just like us. Yeah, right. They get, get they, they make it that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So if, if oh, that's okay. no, they for sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, the people are gonna once it's out in the world, right? People are gonna take it or, or like it or hate it. It's kind of uh, mm-hmm. out of your hands at that point, right? Right. So just you know, to to some people, like we've never written a song suggesting somebody do something terrible to somebody. Yeah, of course, yeah. But we tell stories about people who have done something terrible to somebody. You know, and that's part of the story. So if you know, if there's a certain mindset out there. It's like if you write a song about x that you're promoting it yeah and that's totally totally not the case well and there's a long history of songs about absolutely terrible people doing terrible things and those are some of the best songs ever i mean like you look at the blues for example and country too like it's just there's there's pages and pages and pages of songs that are talking about just awful things but they're oh, yeah. they're they're awesome like it, it just works right yeah and horror movies and of course yeah. the great great books of all time and like yeah, if you couldn't so, touch on dangerous subjects, someone like Stephen King wouldn't exist. And, and you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate because there's an element in society right now who they want to eradicate that completely. Right. And they're, it's not so much that they're threatening me, but they're definitely missing out on so much of the juiciest part of life. Sure. You know, there's, it's like banning chocolate. You know, and I'm not a I'm not a big fan of chocolate. But, you know, to, it's like I mean, there's actually people out there banning like certain sizes of soda pop in New York City, or yeah. uh, you know, hamburgers that are going to be like bad cholesterol or something like that. It's like, what kind of world do you guys want to live in? Well, it's a, that's interesting yeah. because I was just having a discussion about this similar topic with a friend the other day, and I think what the problem is is that people who are doing things like that is that their heart's in the right place and they're definitely trying to help people and what they think that by doing things like, you know, banning a certain size of, of soda, they're helping people in the world and they're accomplishing something, but then people don't all see it that way and I think that the people who are think that they're helping are maybe not realizing that uh, it's yeah. not going over as well as I think with, with, uh, with a lot of people. And yeah, so it's like, hard to criticize because they're trying to do good, right? Exactly. Uh it's just the human nature thing. It's like, I don't even drink pop. Yeah. But I I've ha- I have kids, and at one point they were two years old. Yep. So if you told them they couldn't do something, that's all they wanted to do. Oh, yeah, i got know? kids too. I totally understand that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, totally don't do this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, no, I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah. And that's why, like, if you go to the States, they have, you know, so many restaurants like the heart attack grill or whatever. Yeah. Which are, the entire theme is decadent, like ridiculous decadent. Sure, massive sizes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah. No, I get, I get what you're saying for sure. Um, if people are hearing about you for the first time on this podcast, what's the best uh, thing for them to do to find out more? I mean, should they be, uh, where can they find your music online and, and find out when your next shows are? Uh, one great place is their Facebook page, okay. which is, Facebook.com and it's that uh, slash handsome lousy. Okay. Because they don't let you change your. Uh, oh, yeah, the previous link. name of the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll just confirm that I have the slash in the right place there. Well, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes too so people can check it out. Yeah. So it's Facebook.com slash handsome lousy. Okay. And we also have a YouTube channel where we put our videos up. Cool. And, uh, we now have one good video, an okay video, and a a few like what the heck are those kind of videos <laughs> and let me just 
find the link to this. I'll send you the link. Yeah, send me the link and I'll put it in the in the in the on the page. Um, as far as uh, hearing the previous album, is it on Bandcamp or anything like that, or what's the best way to find that? Uh, it will be coming up. Um, we're going to be uploading everything online at the same time as we release the second one. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Um, everything except CD Baby. Okay. <laughs> so. So, yeah, so people should follow you on Facebook, and then there'll probably be some kind of notification about that happening. Exactly. So it'll be like Spotify and everything else, and uh, Apple Music, et cetera, right. et cetera, et cetera. So cool. Coming, all coming as soon as I can finish mixing and mastering this and get this out in a month or so. Right on. Are you planning uh, any kind of a CD release party for the new one? Or is that still sort of up in the air, depending on when you get done? Uh, still up in the air. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe a party. We we'll, we'll, might just uh, try to jump on a nice gig with some, you know, some of the other bands in town mm -hmm. the, uh, that we like playing with. And uh, the only thing we have booked this summer is the uh, Heart of the Nation Festival. Oh, cool! Is, okay. You know where that is? The Hilltop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's coming up in a month. And um, in a perfect world, I'd have this all finished by then. And we might even have printed copies for when we go out there. And cool. So, yeah. Cool. Okay, awesome. Well, if people want to hear more episodes of this show, you can go to witchpolice.com. All 390-whatever episodes are there for free download and streaming. You can also tune in on Sundays at midnight on 101.5 UMFM. And those are older episodes that get kind of a second wind uh, a few months after they are released as a podcast. So potentially by the time this comes out on air... Uh, the album might be done by then. So, uh, you know, it's always going to be available on podcast uh, very soon, sort of perpetually, but uh, it's kind of nice to get that second boost on the radio because uh, often I'm talking to people before a record's coming out and by the time it comes out on UMFM, uh, it's already there and people can just go right from listening to, to pick up the record. So it's kind of a cool uh, bonus. Nice. What you do is really, really important for the local scenes. I really want to thank you. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank, thanks for, uh, for being willing to be the guinea pig on this uh, phone call thing. Oh, anytime. <laughs> right on. I'll, I'll go on this every Saturday night if you want. I have no. Well, luck. yeah, depending how this ends up sounding uh, after we're done talking, I might have to call you back next weekend and do it again.